This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The morning after, far and away, the most satisfying win of the Brooklyn Nets regular season. Evan Roberts, the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Before we get into the victory over the Bulls, before we get into the Kyrie Irving, can the Nets pay a fine mandate story, let me address why I'm doing this podcast on Thursday morning as opposed to right after the game Wednesday night. I received numerous direct messages. I didn't check my mentions. Maybe I got a few of them in my mentions saying, Evan, how come... You did an instant reaction for a brutal loss to Portland. But now, on the heels of the best win of the year, you go to bed. No instant reaction. What's up with that? And I offer a genuine response that you may not care about. It had everything to do with my 5-year-old and 14-month-old and their ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. Uh, The other night against Portland... For whatever reason, I was having a good night. They were having a good night. Not a good night in terms of watching the Nets, but a good night in terms of them sleeping. So my anger after the game was easily made into a podcast because I knew I was able to do it. Last night, because I am recording this on Thursday, last night, Wednesday night, while I did watch every second of the Nets game, there were a couple of pauses in which I had to be a father. And after that game was over, there was just no way or confidence that I could take 10 minutes out of my time at 1220 or whatever time it was to confidently record a podcast. Now, you may not believe me. That's fine. You may say I'm a self-loathing net fan hater. That, that is totally fine. But I promise you, whether it's a reason in your mind or an excuse in your mind, I blame my two sons. Now, anyhow, there is no doubt. That while we can minimize regular season losses, which I've tried to do throughout this season, we can also minimize regular season wins and say, hey, a game in January, what does it really mean? But the truth is, because of the way this team has struggled recently, number one, because of their inability to not just beat good teams, but even compete against good teams. You know, outside of the game on a Saturday night in Brooklyn against the Chicago Bulls a few weeks ago, They haven't just lost these games against good teams. They've been manhandled. The two losses to Milwaukee were non-competitive. The loss to Phoenix, despite that late Fugazi comeback, was non-competitive. The loss to the Warriors, non-competitive. The loss to Memphis, who we certainly have to declare a good team, non-competitive. So it wasn't just simply they're not closing these games late against good teams. They have been completely outclassed. 
Now, one of the big differences in this game against Chicago, and this is a key here, is that it was actually a game that featured the entire Brooklyn Nets, obviously minus Joe Harris, Nicholas Claxton, and LaMarcus Aldridge, but the entire Nets in terms of the big three. The three that we imagined a year ago today when the Nets made that trade. For obvious reasons, that hasn't happened this year. And so this is only the second time all season long, the second time we're able to see the big three play together. And obviously for the first time in an environment in which you looked at it and said, hey, show me something. So I tweeted this out last night after the game. I really mean it. The most important thing, not just for us as fans, but even players who I think need to have some confidence once in a while, is that this was a mental health win. This was a win that, as a Net fan, gives you a little bit of that swagger back. It kind of reminds you, this is what this team can be when they're closer to whole. Kevin Durant and James Harden, as your two leading men, should be a really good basketball team. No doubt. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, as your two leading men, should be a really good basketball team. Same thing for Kyrie and James Harden. But having all three together... That's the untapped value. That's the thing we haven't really seen. And look, I'm not a confident guy. I've never sat here and said, we're going to win a championship or we're going to do this. But I got to speak the facts and I got to speak from our own eyes. When these three guys have played together, and it's been rare, but when they have played together, this team looks like a team that is very, 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 very hard to beat in a best of seven situation. Now, granted, have we seen them tested in a best-of-seven situation? Not really. They played one series together against an underhanded, Boston's undermanned Boston Celtic team, a team that they very well should have handled in four or five games. But a night like Wednesday night against the Bulls, you know, despite Derrick Jones Jr. going out with that injury 35 seconds in, you're still facing the best of Chicago. DeMar DeRozan, who's had an MVP year. Nikola Vukovic, who over the years has killed us. Zach Levine, who's blossomed into a star. This is still a red-hot basketball team, a team that's trying to prove they're a contender in the Eastern Conference, a team that's beaten the Nets twice in a row. Granted, both of them were on back-to-backs for Brooklyn. This was a chance to see what we've barely seen. And so, look, we'll, we'll get into the rookies and Dayron Sharp, who is awesome, and Kessler Edwards, who I think has a chance to survive kind of the experimentation and be a legitimate rotation piece. Because it's not just those three guys, but it is those three guys. You know, as negative as I may be or other Net fans may be, the one thing I haven't truly been negative about is that when they play, they are really, really, really effing good. The problem is... There's reason to be concerned about their ability to all stay healthy after what we saw last year when they were never healthy during the regular season. Then the playoffs occur and they're healthy for five games and then seconds in a game one, James Harden gets hurt. And then obviously in the midst of game four, Kyrie Irving gets hurt. Then you got the vaccine situation this year with Kyrie. Knock on wood, Harden and Durant have only battled minor injuries. They've played and they've played monster minutes. Last night in a lot of ways was a tease. It was a tease of what this team can be when they're whole. Now, let me quickly get to the Kyrie mandate, pay a fine situation, and then more on this game. I I have a tough time believing that this Irving situation is as simple as Brooklyn pays a fine and he's allowed to play. 
for two reasons. Number one, I'm not positive the city, especially in a high-profile situation like Kyrie Irving, where they have been pushing the vaccines and there is a vaccine mandate, that they're simply going to say, yeah, gee golly, five grand a game, we're good to go. I don't think it's as simple as that. And also, going back to what the NBA said back in August, they said they would adhere to all local city regulations. Does that mean they're going to be okay with Brooklyn saying to these local mandates, whether you agree with them or not, that's a different story. Yeah, he could play, just pay the fine. I don't think it's as simple as that. Now, I've made an effort to get in touch with the league just to get a comment on it. Uh, So far, I've heard nothing, but maybe I'll hear something soon, both to the Players Association and to the league itself to see where do you stand on this? On the record, is this something you would allow? Because look, from a financial standpoint, and that's how I think this this topic, if you will, has been made simple. Hey, why wouldn't the Nets pay $5,000 a game? I mean, you'd pay $100,000 a game at this point. If you're Joseph Tsai, who claimed, and he will always live with this quote, whether you believe it or not, winning is my religion, then you've allowed Kyrie Irving to be a part-time player, which they went back on. Why wouldn't you simply pay a fine? That's why it's not as simple as that. Is it bad PR? I don't even think that's the case. I think enough people either disagree with portions of the mandate, B, don't give a crap. They're saying to themselves, yeah, if I'm in that situation and I had to pay a $5,000 fine each day I went to work, I couldn't afford it. This guy's a millionaire. This is a company that's a billionaire, billionaire owner. Of course it's different. I don't think the publicity would be nearly as bad as maybe some think. That's not the issue. The issue is I'm not naive enough to believe that the city and the league would simply say, sure, pay the fine. We're good to go. But I think what's happening right now behind the scenes is twofold. The Brooklyn Nets need Kyrie Irving on the floor. They know that. We know that. Everybody knows that. They are working their ass off to make sure that happens before the postseason starts. Back in August, they were under the impression that because Kyrie Irving lived in New Jersey, he would get the ability to play in these games since he doesn't live in New York City. Remember, they've got the rule that road players are allowed to play at Barclays Center at Madison Square Garden. The city changed that. Bill de Blasio, that fantastic mayor, changed that rule so Kyrie wasn't exempt. The Nets have been fighting that. They tried to change that back. There's a new mayor in office. So I think they are working to try to change parts of that mandate to allow Kyrie to play. And and yes, I do think that they're trying to get Kyrie Irving vaccinated, which is the easiest solution to all of this. But realistically, (laughs) I don't think they feel like that's going to happen. So yeah, I think the Nets are working day and night to try to find loopholes and get this thing to change. But I don't think it's as simple as, all right, 5000 a game, let's go. Would the league be okay with that? Would the city be okay with that? I'm very, very skeptical of all of it. But here's what we know, and I think it's been made obvious over the first few months of this season. They're not winning without them. And when this season started, it was a fair debate of, well, Kevin Durant, James Harden, yeah, they could win without them. But they can't. And it's not as easy as, well, if Joe Harris is back and the floor spacing is better, they can win without him. I don't think they can because James Harden hasn't proven he's the consistent top five MVP caliber player on a night in and night out basis. What we've seen from James, and this weaves back into the game against Chicago, 
there are nights where he looks like James Harden. I thought last night against the Bulls, he looked like James Harden. And we've seen that. We've seen glimpses of it. And the hope is, at some point, that becomes consistent. But it hasn't. It happens against the Lakers on Christmas. It happens against the Clippers. And then James struggles for games at a time. Is it a rest thing? Maybe. Look, James Harden has played a lot of games in his career. He's played a lot of minutes in his career. If you look at when James Harden has played his best basketball, they've come off rest. Remember, he didn't play in the Portland game with the hyperextended knee. They gave him a rest day. And he comes out Wednesday night against the Chicago Bulls and plays a really good game. So I think what we're learning from this is that maybe James Harden needs to be in that rest circle a little bit more than he has. Because throughout his NBA career, he hasn't. Now, he's a guy who goes out and plays every single game. And I think at this point in his career, especially with the performance, it kind of makes sense. I'm not even saying to limit his minutes. I I get why Steve Nash has a tough time doing that. Limit the games he plays. They've had a tough time doing that with Kevin Durant because KD wants to play. They were fortunate that because of the way the game turned into a blowout last night, because, look, you watch every net game, you know the way this rotation works. Kevin Durant plays the entire first quarter. He sits the first five or six minutes, sometimes less of the second quarter, comes in, finishes the first half. Then he plays the entire third quarter, and then, depending on where they are in the game, KD may play the entire fourth quarter too, or he may just sit for two, three minutes and come out and play the fourth quarter. We all know that. Again, Chicago... He comes out with the team up by 22. Harden runs with the second unit to start the fourth quarter, and they continue that blitzkrieg with Harden, Mills, Bembry, Kessler, and Blake Griffin on the floor, and you don't have to go back to KD. And think about this. Kevin Durant, despite not playing in the fourth quarter in the game against Chicago, still logged 30 minutes. Now, I'm not saying that's a huge number, but it shows you that if it was a normal night where they needed KD to play the eight or nine minutes of the fourth quarter, you're talking about another 40-minute night. So clearly, Steve Nash has a very difficult time limiting Durant's minutes on a nightly basis. So, as much as we may not love this, that's why you got to sit him. That's why off a of back-to-back playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, you got to sit the guy down. What, what made me feel really good about last night, besides the young guys, which I'll get to in a second, is that there have been times this year in which you expect the Nets to come out like a house on fire, mad, angry, and come out with the energy. Opening night against the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending NBA champions, the team that ended your season in a heartbreaking fashion, and they came out and played a flat game. I'll give you another example, more recent example than just that. Kevin Durant calls the team out after the loss to the LA Clippers. Calls them out. Rips the team. It's great. As bad of a loss as that was, I was encouraged by the fact that KD called everyone out after the game, including himself. You would think in their next game against Memphis... They would come out like a house on fire. And instead, they put together probably their worst performance of the season. A wire-to-wire ass-kicking by John Morant, the Memphis Grizzlies. Where the only sign of life the team showed was when they went to all the kids in the fourth quarter. So it's happened a lot where on nights where you'd expect them to give a damn, they don't. In this game against Chicago, more than any other game, we needed to see them give a damn. We needed to see them come in 
and send a message, not just to us as fans, not just to themselves, not just to the rest of the league, to everybody that, yeah, we're pretty effing good when we care. And last night they cared. Durant was great. Harden was great. Kyrie wasn't. And that's okay. When you have three superstars, it's okay for one of them to have an off night. But the hustle that we saw from Dayron Sharp, from Blake Griffin, Bembry we already knew, from Kessler Edwards, who was awesome defensively in this game. You saw the blue-collar boys in action. That one sequence, I think it was late third quarter. Actually, it was probably early fourth quarter. Game was already out of reach. Where you've got Bembry diving on the ground. You got Kessler Edwards diving on the ground. You had multiple nets throwing their body all over the freaking place to make a play and lead to an easy transition dunk. That's what you want to see. And if you consider the mixing of rotations that Steve Nash has done over the last few weeks, truly an audition, truly experimentation. He's experimenting. He wants to see how these matchups work, how these combinations work. He wants to challenge some of the younger guys. Look, I love Cam Thomas. I think Cam Thomas has a future with this team, barring the fact they don't trade him. I love the fact that Kevin Durant showed confidence in Cam in the final seconds of the Spur game, and he had his moment hitting a game-winning shot. When this team is whole, I don't know if Cam's in the rotation. I got to tell you, when Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Patty Mills and Joe Harris are out there, let's all be honest, I'm not sure there's a spot for Cam Thomas. When LaMarcus Aldridge is healthy, I don't know which Blake Griffin shows up, but if Blake Griffin is showing up with Nicholas Claxton healthy, as great as Dayron Sharp was last night, I'm not sure Dayron Sharp's in the rotation. I'm not. I'm not sure Blake Griffin's in the rotation. Honestly, I think it's more a Claxton LaMarcus situation when we get to the postseason and rotations are tightened up. So I wouldn't even say Blake Griffin. So as good as Dayron looked last night, I got to tell you, if we're being honest, I don't know if he breaks a tighter, healthier rotation. But I think Kessler Edwards could. I think he could for a myriad of reasons. He is a pest defensively. He's long. He provides energy. And even though his shot is sort of weird looking, it looks like he can hit a three. And if this guy can hit threes, he's going to find the floor. He's going to be the rookie. Of all the rookies they have on this roster, David Duke Jr., who was given an opportunity to start. Cam Thomas, who has that great offensive confidence and ability. Dayron Sharp, who had his best game against Chicago. Of all the kids that they have, if I had to guess right now, and I know it's maybe easier for me to do it coming off the Chicago game, but based on the makeup of this roster, based on what he provides this team, I think there's a shot he's in the rotation. I think he's a guy who can survive this audition rotation. DeAndre Bembry needs to be in the rotation. Bruce Brown's become garbage time, Bruce Brown. Javon Carter doesn't exist, which is great news. Let's all be honest. Javon Carter becoming Theo Pinson is one of the coolest things that's happened over the last few weeks in this season. But this was a tremendous victory. And if you look at the schedule that's upcoming, if this team, and look, I know they've lost some bad games over the last couple of weeks, But if this is the win that kind of gets this team out of the malaise, you look at the Thunder, the Pelicans, at Cleveland, not easy, but you do have a full Kyrie, at Washington, 
at San Antonio, Minnesota, the Lakers at home, Denver at home. That's a stretch of games where they can do damage. Because the game after that is where the test begins again. The Nets have back-to-back games. It's not a back-to-back, but games that occur back-to-back. You know what I'm saying. It's not, it's not a back-to-back. It's like a Saturday and a Tuesday. They go to Golden State, and they go to Phoenix. And that's going to be a test. That's going to be kind of like the way we felt tonight or last night against Chicago. Hey, let's see what this team is made of. It is going to be very interesting to see if they can exact some revenge on the Warriors and the Suns, two teams that humbled them back at Barclays Center. So excellent win. I think we all feel a lot better about this team. We could take a deep breath. (sighs) And enjoy spanking the Chicago Bulls. Thank you for listening to this day after edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.